Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the What's Up APS podcast. I'm your host, Frank Bellavia, with School and Community Relations. I hope you're well and that you and your family are staying safe and healthy. Our last episode, which a lot of you listened to, we talked about the continuity of learning plan how it was developed and how teachers were implementing it in the classroom. This episode continues that discussion and focuses on the K-2 learning packets that um, our staff has pushed out to families in the last two weeks. Joining me to discuss the packet are the key staff who have worked tirelessly to develop it. Christine Chappie, the elementary math specialist, Kelly Heiner, the interim supervisor of the Arlington Tiered System of Support, and Dr. Donna McConnell, the elementary English language arts specialist. So thanks for taking time out of your day to join me on the podcast and for all your work in, in putting together this, this packet for our, our younger learners. Um, so we'll get started right away. And can you talk a little bit about the general design of the K-2 instructional resources? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Frank, for having us today. Um, so speaking from the English language arts perspective, um, the activities that were included in the packet were really designed to mirror the classroom literacy activities that APS students are accustomed to. And while certainly we understand that um, they cannot replace the high quality literacy instruction that students receive in person, face-to-face with their classroom teachers, these uh, learning activities were designed to align to the Virginia standards of learning and provide our K-2 students with opportunities to read, write, speak, and listen um, while they're at home. I can jump in for math. Hi, everyone. This is Christine. Um, The math activities that you heard Donna speak about, the ELA activities, the math was designed with the same uh, perspective around uh, mirroring what students do in the classroom. So our activities for math really follow that math workshop structure and the routines that we use in our K2 classrooms all the time. Um, For those who are not familiar, Math Workshop is a model of instruction, uh, really a philosophy about how math class um, is structured. The goals are always to maximize opportunities for differentiation and really emphasize student-centered learning. So we promote that in all of our elementary classrooms in Arlington. So we wanted our activities for at-home learning to mirror the same structure. So again, as Donna mentioned, these activities could never replace the high quality instruction that our students receive from their teachers. Um, But our activities do align to the Virginia state standards and hopefully provide our students with at-home activities to engage them in some deep mathematical thinking. Um, We had math coaches from throughout the county work really hard to create lessons for this resource that align with the content and structures that we use at school and are hopefully still accessible for our families and caretakers. And, and much like the content that's provided for the older learners, this really um, kind of hammers home the fundamentals that they've learned through the first three quarters. Absolutely, yeah. So more specifically, can you speak to the content, uh, specific activities that are included in the resources and why you selected those? Absolutely. This is Kelly here. Um, Let's start with um, perhaps the English language arts piece, and then we'll toss it to Christine um, to talk about the math piece. But looking at uh, English language arts or ELA, um, across the three grade levels, you'll see phonemic awareness activities, nursery rhymes, text discussion, 
writing and response to reading, as well as high-frequency word activities. And um, as I mentioned, Donna and I will talk a little bit about the rationale for including each of these early literacy activities. And um, as part of this discussion, too, we'll also uh, provide you with some solid research that um, helps with understanding why each of these components were included into the learning packet. Um, and as Donna and Christine both mentioned, all of these activities, while also being research-based, also align with the grade level Virginia standards of learning. More specifically, these activities um, included are aligned to what APS refers to as power standards. You may have heard your classroom teachers use this term before. Um, and so when we say power standards, that means that we're really looking at those standards that are most essential to student literacy development across grades. And we designed activities to support those ELA power standards. And so Donna, do you want to talk firstly about phonemic awareness? Absolutely. Thanks, Kelly. So you will see across all three grade levels um, that there are multiple opportunities for students to engage in phonemic awareness activities. And this was critical for us to include across all three grade levels because phonemic awareness is one of those literacy skills that we deem as essential. It's most critical. And it helps students really recognize and work with the sounds of spoken language. And so what we know about phonemic awareness from a plethora of research is really that it's the most potent predictor of success in learning to read. And in addition, Regardless of a student's reading level, all students can really benefit from being taught directly how to break up spoken words into smaller units, how those letters represent sounds, and kind of having a strong sense of phonemic awareness not only helps us learn to read, but it helps our older readers really decode fluently those multisyllabic words that they encounter when they're reading those higher level texts. So, Cal, do you want to talk a little bit about why we included the nursery rhymes in, in our packet? So nursery rhymes, um, while they are cute and fun, they also help to really develop those early literacy skills that are so fundamental to building up our students as readers. And so um, nursery rhymes really provide students the opportunity to engage with familiar texts, to develop concept of word, uh, phonemic awareness, uh, just as Donna had just mentioned, sight word vocabulary, rhyme awareness, reading fluency, comprehension, as well as more general vocabulary development. And furthermore, uh, research shows us that for our students who are already reading, guided repeated readings of nursery rhymes helps to improve fluency, as well as um, there's research that supports the assertion that music and rhyme increase a child's ability in spatial reasoning, which is then shown to lead to greater success in math and science. And so when we think about our nursery rhymes, they really help to build uh, students thinking in multiple content areas. Donna, do you want to go ahead and talk about uh, text discussion? So families, you may have noticed that in each of the calendars that you've received, each week there's a fiction text, usually on a Tuesday, and then there's a nonfiction text on a Thursday. And with both of those texts, we offer opportunities for students to talk about the book 
and write about the book. I'm going to focus this next part of the conversation on text discussion. And text discussion really mirrors the work that teachers do with your students every day in classrooms. Teachers engage in one-on-one -on -one reading conferences and they also engage in small group instruction. And part of the reasoning behind that is we need to support rich text-based conversations with students because text discussion not only builds oral literacy skills, but it also provides students with the opportunity to participate in collaborative text-based discussion in support of text comprehension. So you'll notice when we're asking students to use the discussion cards to have conversations with family members, what we're really asking them to do is have standards aligned conversation around such skills as using story elements or making confirmed predictions, drawing conclusions, identifying theme, main idea, and summarization. All of these are critical for students who are really trying to deepen comprehension um, around the text that they're reading. And research on text discussion really supports the notion that it increases student engagement and it really helps them take ownership of their learning when they're having to talk about a text. It's prompting for higher level thinking, um, and it really encourages students to build not only their own knowledge, but to share that knowledge with others. Um, and again, it really gives them opportunities to apply some of the comprehension strategies that they've been working on across the school year so far. So that's a little bit of rationale behind the text discussions that you'll see in the packets. And Kelly's gonna talk to us a little bit about um, why the writing and response to reading is included as well. As Donna mentioned, uh, each week you will also find a writing response for every fiction and every nonfiction text for that week. And the writing activities included uh, in the instructional resources are really designed to support text comprehension and to boost students' writing skills. Uh, we've included sentence frames um, to support language development and writing organization if your child needs it. Also, I think what's so important is to remember that writing is writing specifically about a text also helps to improve reading comprehension. And so there's such a strong correlation between what the words we are putting down on paper, as well as to the words that we're reading inside of our text. And what research shows us about writing specifically about a text proved to be better than just reading the text itself. Writing about a text proved to be better than reading it and then rereading it. Writing about a text also proved to be better than reading and studying it reading and discussing it, and just receiving reading instruction in general. So you can see why writing about a text that you've read is so crucial. And so knowing that, that that was something we wanted to ensure that students had the opportunity to engage in at least twice a week with both a fiction and a nonfiction text as well. I'm happy to jump in and chat math a little bit. Sounds like there's so much cohesive work happening for ELA. I'll share a little bit about some of the things we were thinking around when we put uh, math work together for these instructional resources. 
uh, we really wanted to maintain a cohesive structure. We wanted students to experience some of the same elements at home that they do at school so that it feels more natural for them. Um, we also wanted to ensure that we were focusing on key standards that children have been taught this year. You heard, um, I believe it was Kelly used the term power standards. We considered the same thing when we put our math resources together, those really high leverage concepts that we know students will undoubtedly need moving forward. So to that end, we chose to, to include three different components every day um, for the whole month of April. You'll see the same components included in May as well. Um, every day begins with a number sense routine as it does in our classrooms. Um, number sense routines are really intended to get students excited about math, engage students. Um, in the classroom, they're used to build a community, um, make feel, students feel comfortable. At home, we hope that these same valuable routines help students develop those kind of efficient computational strategies, help them make sense of math. They promote flexibility of thought, allow students to compose, decompose numbers, and communicate about their reasoning. So parents, there's never one right answer, as tough as that can be sometimes. It really is just getting kids to kind of grapple and really think about the content. After the number sense routine each day, families will see an activity. The activities, again, mirror things that students would encounter in the classroom. Um, students can work on these activities independently or collaboratively, totally depends on what works best for your, for your child and your family. Lastly, we end every day in our math classrooms with a reflection, so we wanted to ensure that there was a level of reflection happening now as well. It's the final component of math workshop every day, and it really provides some meaningful time for students to reflect on what they've learned, to process what they've experienced, to think about how they might take what they learned today and apply it to tomorrow's learning. So we wanted again to include this component to help students solidify the work they're doing, practice some of that metacognition, that thinking about their thinking, and think about some setting some goals for the next day or, or the rest of the month. That's a lot of great information. And thanks. <laughs> um, information, yeah. No, it is. And, and it's interesting to note that so my, I've got a first grader. And in addition to doing the packet, his teachers are also pushing stuff out on, on Seesaw. And I, I see a lot of that mirrored in both places. So he's, he's getting it from multiple different areas. Uh, so what were some of the challenges you faced um, when you, as you developed the instructional resources in this packet? I would say that, you know, creating instructional resources uh, that allow for easy navigation and accessibility is any teacher's strength. You know, we are master crafters at differentiation and scaffolding. However, I would say that I, that doing it now, I think under these circumstances with so many unknowns is really challenging. Being able to really consider all of those things that we do so well and then try to continue doing them in a time that, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many unknowns and there's so much grief and, and trauma that we're all experiencing. So whether, um, you know, just like our teachers and our families, you know, we here at DTL are experiencing death. We're taking care of sick loved ones. We're trying to be parents. We're teleworking. We're trying to stay sane and healthy, just like everybody else. And that's really, really hard right now. And while there are so many variables we cannot control at this moment, 
that make this work very challenging. Um, I would say that I think the one variable we can control is uh, ensuring that we're relying on what the research says is most critical for our students. And so going back to what Christine had mentioned in Math Workshop and knowing that those three core components of Math Workshop of the number sense routine, the activity, as well as the student self-reflection at the end, we know that research says that that is critical for our students to do. So we continue to do that as well as all of the different components that we talked about for ELA as well. Thanks, Kelly. I can jump in here as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an Arlington parent, step parent, and an educator, and I appreciate, like many parents, the toggling back and forth between your job professionally and your job as a parent. Teleworking with a toddler is no joke, <laughs> tough business. So I can completely appreciate the struggle that so many of our families are facing. You want to support your child's academics and you also need to be, you know, upholding your own professional responsibilities. And somewhere in there, you know, consider your child's and your own social emotional health. So it's really challenging. We wanted to make sure that these activities were accessible and useful, um, you know, things that parents could reasonably tackle at home. But, you know, given that we know how much families are juggling, how many pressures people are experiencing right now, creating something that all families can navigate was definitely a challenge. And this is Don. I can I think I can add a little bit to that. So I know adults, we as we as adults thrive with predictability and consistency. And one thing we know about students to be true is that they absolutely thrive in learning environments that bring predictability and consistency. And so one of the major challenges that we faced was designing a set of instructional activities that offered as much of this predictability and consistency as we could, while also being mindful of the varying responsibility of families and parents, which Christine just described. And so when we were thinking through this, um, and with those considerations in mind, you'll notice that each day looks quite like the next. And that was intentional in design. And so the reason that we chose to organize and structure the days in that way was to bring that predictability and consistencies into the home. We wanted students to encounter similar activities from day to day so that they weren't constantly asking parents and families for directions. And we wanted to provide families with consistency and predictability in terms of activities so you weren't trying to learn 732 different activities to work with your child around. So that was really what we were thinking in terms of the framework for the packet was, you know, how do we honor the predictable and consistent school environment um, in a static set of documents that, you know, still bring a level of rigor and standards-based learning into the home for students. It, it definitely does give them the just the, the comfort that everything is going to be the same on a daily basis and there's not going to be any surprises and they can just really focus on on, on doing their work. Um, and as we were talking about some of the challenges of being a parent home, I think my kids are in the background hurting each other. So they're walking around <laughs> with um, looks on their face like one of them hit the other one. So that's uh, the challenges well, of being a parent. Frank, it's nice yeah. to have you. <laughs> um, <laughs> right there with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, can you um, talk a little bit about how teachers are using technology and if they are using technology? Absolutely, Frank. And so I think that you um, gave a great example earlier about how one of your child's teachers is using Seesaw to provide additional additional learning opportunities where needed. And what you'll find across the district is that K-2 teachers are using technology to communicate with families in the same ways that they were using it to connect with families prior to our school closure. They are working really hard to maintain those connections with their students. We know that our teachers miss their students and their families dearly. And so, you know, trying to keep that layer of communication going, regardless of a family's access to a device or internet connection. So they are really staying committed to staying connected with students and their families, being that it's their number one priority. And technology is certainly a way that they're doing that. So whether it's through Seesaw or Canvas or other apps, they're certainly using that to enhance their communication now that schools are temporarily closed. Talk a little bit about what you would say to parents whose students may be working, their, that their child may be working above grade level in, in, in the packet? Sure. So just like in the classroom, making adjustments to activities and resources to meet the varying needs of the students in our classrooms are what APS teachers do best. And so the advice that I would give to parents is the first step is to always reach out to their child's classroom teacher. Uh, he or she knows your child best as a learner and will be able to make suggestions that really are specific to the needs of your child. Some suggestions that they might make are perhaps looking into alternate or additional levels of text in RAS Kids or Follett. Both of those resources do require that a family has a device and internet access. However, with that being said, there are many schools who are working on getting families additional text and books that in case they don't have a device or internet. So if you are a family in that situation, please reach out to your school, and I'm sure that they would be happy to figure out a system to give you additional books to look at and to read and engage with as a family. They might also suggest varying ways to extend any of the reading, writing, and discussion activities that were included in any in uh, the packets. And another thing that I'll add to is that uh, resource teachers for the gifted or RTGs, you might know them as, are working really closely and collaboratively with classroom teachers and specialists like our math coaches, our L teachers, our SPED teachers, and our reading specialists to meet the needs of our advanced learners. And so this work really involves in adding depth and complexity to students' current work through uh, the infusion of high-ability resources, as well as activities based off of uh, APS's critical and creative thinking framework. And so they might use technology as one way to help with that communication, or there might be other means, but uh, resource teachers for the gifted are also having a really important and critical role in helping parents navigate best way to provide the work that's most appropriate for their child. 
This is Christine. I'm proudly married to a resource teacher for the gifted from Oak Ridge who's doing exactly what Kelly just said often. He's in close communication with, uh, with teachers at his school to help them extend. He's often filming himself on Seesaw or communicating via Seesaw. Some of his students are working on these passion projects right now that are pretty amazing. So nice plug for our teachers who I know are working really hard to extend this work during this time. Also for math, if you have access to a device, um, and we know that that's an if, but as you heard Kelly say, please reach out to your schools. Both Dreambox and Reflex, which are two programs that our students use during the school year, are available now as well. Um, and those are really programs built around readiness, so they can extend beyond perhaps what your child is seeing in the packet. I think that's really good advice for families is to definitely reach out for your to your child's teacher, they they do know them the best and they can help provide those uh, additional resources. Again, we're talking about the K-2 instructional packet that parents have received through ParentView or at a uh, grab-and-go meal site, if you picked it up there. We're talking with the designers of the um, packet, Christine Chappie, Kelly Heiner, and Dr. Donna, Donna McConnell. And, and Donna, uh, what would you say to parents whose students may be working below the grade level in the packet? Sure. And, you know, I want to really echo what you've just said, Frank and Christine and, and Kelly as well. Um, students teacher is the primary contact. They are certainly the best equipped to help differentiate for your student. Also add that each school has at least one reading specialist. So um, in the event that you need reading specific content support, I encourage you to work through your classroom teacher to potentially seek some advice from the reading specialist that works at the school. They have a wealth of expertise in this specific area and could be a valuable resource to families. Um, much like options to extend, teachers may recommend alternate text either in hard copy, RAS Kids, or Follett, um, which are resources that our students are already accustomed to using. Families might also request the packet in the grade level below at a feeding site and or working through the classroom teacher and administrator who could um, ensure that they pass along that PDF, the electronic version um, works better for you. There are also, as Kelly mentioned when she was talking about writing in response to text, there are scaffolds built in in the text discussion as well as the writing that really support language development and or organization, organization of thought and or writing content. So we did try to scaffold the work in that way. A couple of additional suggestions I might make is Families, it's always okay to simply read a book to your student. We want every interaction that a student has with a book to be a positive interaction. So if you notice that your student is struggling with a particular text, hop right in and read that text aloud with the student. They can do that same higher level thinking and text discussion and writing about the book using their listening comprehension skills. So that's always an option that's available to families to scaffold. I'm going to tag right on to Donna. We definitely don't want anyone to be, any child to be frustrated during math either, or parent <laughs> to be frustrated during math time. So if the content of a particular day is too challenging for your child, feel free to skip to another day. We also included a number of games in our packets that can be played 
all the time, as many times as your child is interested in playing. So just because it says it's for, you know, Monday, April, whatever, you can use that same game for the rest of the week, the rest of the month. All of these games revisit our previous content. They're really nice ways to build those early numeracy skills and reinforce, um, they all reinforce number sense. So again, don't, don't allow your child to hit that frustration point. If they do, choose a different activity um, and feel free to, to play some of the games that we included multiple times. So the current packet that families are working with is is for April. What can we expect, Kelly, about the work coming up in the May packet? So for the May packet, we had uh, school-based teams, including classroom teachers, math coaches, RTGs, um, from schools all across the county, create the different um, components for the May calendar for both ELA and for math. The contents for the May packet will be very similar to that of the April packets in terms of the structure so that families can rely on that uniformity um, and hopefully make things easier as they continue to help deliver this instruction for their kids. In math, the emphasis similar to ELA will be uh, around power standards. And so as we talked a little bit about power standards earlier. When we think about power standards, they're really those high yield concepts for which students will always benefit from additional practice and review. So you'll see the content in the May packets uh, really centered around the continuation of those power standards um, for both ELA and math. Thank you. Donna, can you talk about um, where families can go to find additional instructional content and do you have any additional recommendations for them? So we talked earlier about reaching out to your child's classroom teacher, but there are a couple of other options that we'd love to share with you. So one of them is internal and you hopefully you've seen these and those are um, uh, within the APS Continuous Learning Plan on the APS Continuous Learning Plan website. So there are a variety of educational activities that reinforce those other content areas that aren't necessarily included within the literacy and numeracy activities in the calendar. So you'll see activities centered on science standards, social studies, physical education, library, FLES, art, and music, and those are all readily available on the APS website. Also, if you have not had the opportunity to watch outside the classroom, it is an educational television program, and it actually features Ryan Miller, who's the ABC7 meteorologist, but more importantly, he's a teacher at Washington Liberty, and he facilitates um, outside the classroom daily from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., and it's also available online, live streaming, and you can also go on and watch all of the previous episodes that he has put together for students. And that target audience really is K-12. And so if you haven't yet seen that, that's definitely something that you'll want to check out. And it runs Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on channel 808. Also, you may have read that the state of Virginia has also begun running television-based programming. It was developed by the Virginia Department of Education, and it's called Virginia TV Classroom. And it's teacher-led classroom instruction that's aligned to the Virginia standards of learning. And it's to bring that content into the homes of Virginia families. Programming that targets K-3 students 
runs each day, Monday through Friday, from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock p.m., and that's on WETA and PBS. Um, so that's another set of programming that you might want to check out to see it's something that would match the needs of your family. I want to echo the uh, Outside the Classroom show with Ryan Miller. It's a great, great show to get your kids to watch. And it, he provides a lot of information. And he's a WNL teacher, like Donna said. And my kids have been watching it daily. To point out, too, that if you have Fios, it runs on channel 508. It's the old news channel 8 station that's what it's on or you could actually stream it on their website or on facebook so there's other um, alternative ways to watch it so let's talk about some of the video series coming out for k2 students called at home with aps um, something that we're producing in home uh, donna can you talk a little bit about at home with aps I have to first say, this is something that we are really excited to be working on. It's a project that's definitely pushed me outside kind of my typical professional responsibilities. And I've so enjoyed working with some APS teachers to develop some content for at home with APS. So it's going to be a weekly broadcast that's really designed much like Virginia TV Classroom to bring APS teacher-led instruction into the home's of Arlington Public School students and families. So each of the episodes will feature instruction that is aligned to the Virginia standards of learning. And much of that content will be taught by familiar faces that students are accustomed to seeing in their schools and classrooms. So we're really excited to bring this to families. Can you share some of those uh, faces that they'll know or is it a surprise? Oh, it's a surprise for now, but again, you might see some of those classroom teachers, reading specialist L teachers, and we hope that it's something that will bring a little bit of joy to your students as they recognize familiar voices and faces. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Kelly, can you talk about why the Department of Teaching and Learning created At Home with APS? Absolutely. So as I'm sure our families know, our teachers and members of DTL or staff members at DTL really wanted to provide something more for our families. Our teachers, our staff members at DTL miss engaging with our families on a daily basis. We miss being able to see their faces, just like we know our students miss our teachers. And so we wanted to be able to provide another avenue that we could continue to support students learning at home. And so really that was kind of how it was developed and why we wanted to put it out there. And we really, like I said, wanted to provide another avenue to, to, to provide SOL aligned instruction for those students, particularly in grades K-2, in addition to providing additional or supplemental work or thinking outside of the continuous learning plan as well. Great. So, Christine, can you talk a little bit about who the target audience is of this new video series? Of course. You you heard Kelly kind of just mention this as well. Our At Home with APS is really designed to support Virginia standards of learning for grades kindergarten through second grade. So that uh, that's our target demographic right now, our youngest learners in uh, kinder through second. It's kind of like a supplemental to this packet uh, then. So you got it. Kelly, what will students be doing uh, if they watch At Home with APS? Great. So the first few episodes of At Home with APS feature early literacy instruction that include phonemic awareness, 
phonics, some vocabulary instruction, some reading, and some writing. Another great component of these videos is that they always end with a family literacy tip. And these family literacy tips are really intended to provide support to families as they try to extend the literacy instruction uh, in their daily routines. And so every episode, families will walk away with something to engage them with their students as they engage with literacy throughout the rest of the week. And how do I access it at home or how can families access it at home? So each week, families can ex- uh, expect one new episode of At Home with APS. And that's going to be available and accessible a variety of ways. So it will be accessible on channel 70. So if you watch the school board meetings, that will be the same channel that you could also watch At Home with APS. They'll also be available via web on YouTube and Vimeo. And really when we're designing the time slots for At Home with APS, we're also mindful of uh, Virginia TV classroom programming schedule as well as outside the classroom because we want to provide families with a package, if you will, of educational content that they could use throughout the day as needed. So we'll be embedding at home with APS um, around some of those other um, educational programs that we talked about earlier. And in terms of how families will find out, each week, school and community relations going to help us with the communication of the scheduling and also the communication of the links. So if you're watching it via web, you'll have access to those as well. And we're really looking at pushing out a school talk on maybe Monday morning that has the the links to the videos on YouTube and Vimeo, um, as well as the time slots that they're coming up for that for that week going forward. So you can watch it as they air on on AETV or when it's easy for your family to, to sit down and watch those videos. Absolutely, Frank. And I'll um, just highlight this too that Donna had mentioned. These episodes will repeat over the course of the week at different time slots throughout the days. So families can find the best time that works for them. So whether it be early in the morning or perhaps after uh, or right before you brush your teeth and go to bed. So families will have the opportunity to really pick the best view in time for them. Excellent. This has been really great information. And I think our families um, can find a lot of answers about the K2 learning packet. More resources are available on our website on the learning at home page. To reiterate what was just talked about, the At Home with APS videos will be pushed out weekly beyond our AETV channel as well as YouTube and uh, Vimeo, and we'll provide links to those. Again, I want to thank all three of you for taking your time out of your day to uh, talk with us about this K2 learning packet and for all the work that you've put in over the last few weeks, putting this together and putting the May packet together. I know that it's it's been um, a challenge to say the least, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time to do that and talking with me about it. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thanks. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the What's Up APS podcast. We will continue to update you throughout this unprecedented time, and we hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care.